MailChimp presents. MailChimp presents. Joe Talbot is the charismatic lead singer of iconic British band Idols. They leapt to the top of the British charts last year in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and scored a big fat number one with the album Ultramono. However, I got to speak to this captivating human being about one of the songs off their killer debut album, Brutalism. I was struck most of all by Joe's consideration and thoughtfulness, his humility and his wicked sense of humour. Listen on and you will hear for yourself. I'm Shirley Manson and this is The Jump. Yeah, listen, I am so thrilled to have you on here today. Thank you. Where exactly are you? I'm in Los Angeles, California. Where are you? Oh, I'm in Bristol. Lovely. Yeah, That's where is. you live though, right? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I live, I, I've just recently moved back. I was at my old man's for um, a year in Cardiff and now I'm back here. Yeah, I had no idea you were born in Wales. Indeed, yeah. Is it? Is it is it St. David's Day today or was it yesterday? I'm not much of a nationalist or anything, but it was, I think it was just... <laughs> I have no idea. I'm Scottish. How the hell would I know? What, what day What day do you have? Is that St. Andrew's? We have St. Andrew's Day. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have St. David? Yeah, we do. We've got, between us, we've got all the fucking saints. Lucky us. Not all of them, Joe. I'd rather have a thistle than a daffodil, though. Well, fuck yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot handier in a, in a fight. For a start, <laughs> I love. <laughs> I love that's your first. What what is <laughs> what is this flower good for? Attacking. Uh, I'm a yeah. Viking. What can I tell you? Fuck yeah. So we are here today to talk about a particular song um, yeah. from your debut album, Brutalism. How do you say it? One thousand four nine Gotho or one zero four nine Gotho? Or that's a really weird. Give me the title because you know I was like, how the fuck do I even no say one's this? Ever, no one's ever in the fucking. I don't know when we made that song. No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> this is a this is this is a new. This is like you know like uh, is 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 the dress blue or is it black? <laughs> um, it's ten four nine Gotho. I don't know why I say ten four nine. I'm not American, but it's ten four nine. Why did you pick this song out of all these amazing songs on this incredible debut album? Um, Ten for Nine Goffo was the first moment in my life where I unhinged myself enough to write a poem without deciding what the words were. But it made sense as a message, which was I was writing about my best friend, who explained depression for the first time. And I wanted to put that in a song. So I just wrote this thing almost automatically when I was ready. And it was the first time I achieved that. But Temple One I Goffo is the first time I wrote a song that made me cry. Um, and then every other fucking song made me cry because um, I like to cry, <laughs> apparently. But um, Nothing wrong with crying. No, 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 not uh, unless you're trying to sing in front of you know, an audience. My friend is so depressed. He 
I learned a lot from Temple Magoffa in terms of giving myself enough slack to just write whatever came to my head. It's like meditation. You don't sit there and go, right, I'm meditating now. This is good. I'm meditating. Mm, I'm, I'm good at meditating, me. You don't do that. You just sit there and meditate. You, you unthink. And, and I think with, um, with song writing, it's, it's a meditative thing where if you're thinking about the audience or what you're doing to the audience, or if you're thinking about your messaging or you're thinking about your word or your stanza, or you're already too far removed, in my opinion, from the visceral nature of what music and art does to me, which is save my life. How did this song come together then? What's the process on this particular song? We always start with the music. It's not... Um, I in always, a rehearsal room or in a studio? Yeah, yeah. So we always we we got um we we had this horrible practice room where we all just about fit in with our one amp each vibe. It was an underground, uh, like a cellar type network of practice rooms, and there was like mushrooms on the wall that you could actually see spit out spores if you waited long enough. It would you can see the mushrooms spit into the atmosphere. It was honestly. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> it's fucked, and um, and this is in Bristol, right? Yeah, in Bristol and King King Square. So you're all squeezed in there. We're all squeezed in there. Yeah, it's fucking. How many times a week? We practice there uh, three times a week at least. So we do seven hours on a Sunday, six hours on a Tuesday, six hours on a Thursday. So when you're working on a song, or specifically on Ten Four Nine Gotho. Mm. What are you doing while the band are all fucking around? Like, how does it just come together yeah. for you all? Well, I, I I kind of get involved with the writing process a lot. So I, I'll, I'll either come to the band with a part or a whole song. How do you all know when it's ready for you to jump in as a, a vocalist and lyricist? How does that work? You know, we're, we're like super cutthroat when it comes to writing. And when we're in the studio, we'll not because the only time we really witness other people's interaction with us as a band being productive is when we're in a studio recording and suddenly the engineers are sat there like, what the fuck? You're supposed to be about love and community. <laughs> and like <laughs> we're there like knifing each other. We've got our own way of doing it. And it is basically um, stop, stop playing that. That's dog shit. And I, I'll explain why. And then you explain why, and the person you just so told that their part is dog shit, they'll go, yeah, you're right, and then move on. That's it. There's no like, oh, come on, man, that's bang out of order. We just cut the bullshit, and we're like, this isn't working because, and as long as you say because, you can use as many horrible adjectives as you want about it. <laughs> so you're, you're all policing each other, I get that. Yeah, and yeah. then... As you're working on the song, I'm assuming it takes a while to wrangle a song. So it's not just like w over the course of one rehearsal, right? It's over a course of several. Um, Tempo Nargofo uh, was maybe one day. It was the first time ever that like we all kind of wrote this song and then looked up and were like, fuck, this is 
amazing. And like from that, um, I kind of had the feeling of my friend telling me about his depression. It was a very new thing that was stuck in my head. But the song kind of made me feel about that situation. You know, like songs evoke a feeling. And yeah. when, I, when I'm writing now and, and, and then, and with this song, I, I just allowed that, uh, that event of my friend opening up to me and changing my life, you know, because all the best teachers will just explain something in a way that's been explained to you a million times before, but it clicks suddenly. And that's what happened with my friend and his depression is that it made me empathize with depression in, in a way that I'd never been able to before. Because for, you've never suffered from depression? I've never suffered. I never will. I don't think I'm. I, I like. I'm. I'm lucky. I get down. I'm really depressed situationally, and I've been through a lot of trauma, and I I struggle with co recovering from trauma uh, in a lot of ways, and I've mm -hmm. dealt with drug addiction and stuff. But I don't have the illness of depression where I, yeah. for no reason, have this huge weight of melancholia that's crippling, and I've never had that. But my friend made me understand it, and that really shook me my friend is so depressed he wishes he was dead i swam inside his head and this is what he said help me help me will someone help me sleep there's no right side in the bed with a body like mine and a mind like mine So depressed, she wanted to have sex. I pissed in the kitchen sink, but she slowly undressed. It has no typical structure and there's a lot of repetition in it. I'm glad you brought up repetition. Repetition was like, with each album, I've taken on a different um, tool, linguistic tool. So with Brutalism, it was um, Brutalism, literally like a fucking sledgehammer. So I'm just repeating the thing. And that's the visceral nature of it. It's this big brutish message that I just repeat over and over again, like the the windows of or, or the stories of a car park. It's just like hammered in, and I, I I wanted to use that. The line I love the most, if you don't mind me saying, is "We won't last five fucking minutes with a body like mine and a mind like mine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a like a line where it kind of crossed over from empathy, uh, where I experienced the perspective of his depression with my drug addiction, bulimia, and um, I guess grief, and the way I dealt with grief, which was really dangerous for myself and other people, really. Um, and it was just me realizing that I was lucky to not be depressed, but also burning every fucking bridge that, I, that could have been built for me. And, you know, I lived a very fucked life, I guess you'd say. I was very lonely and also scared, like a scared little boy. I lived like a scared little boy in a man's body, doing a lot of drugs and drinking and being a violent prick. Um, I wasn't a very nice man, although I also was, you know, like I say this to people and they're like, what are you going on about? And it's like, I think it was like, I wasn't very nice to myself. Mm -hmm. And I was that very... Sounds like it. Yeah. And like to, to my partners, I really tested those early relationships. So I was a real nasty prick. And um, 
and my friends that were, were always coming back to me. I really pushed and pulled those, you know. I was a very passive-aggressive little man. And I'm lucky I've come out of it. Because, you know, when you hate yourself, it doesn't matter what anyone does. You just push those people away. Especially when you have attachment issues and you have addictions. It's like this cycle of letting everyone down and then blaming it on everything but yourself, you know. Help me, help me, will someone help me sleep? There's no right side in the bed with a body like mine and a mind like mine. My friend is so depressed, she wants me to have sex. I pissed in the kitchen sink, but she's slowly undressed. Talk about the experience of being a singer in a vocal booth recording your vocals, if indeed that's how you record them. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, this is something I think is important um, to talk about with you, but also to anyone out there who is recording, will record, or has recorded and was kind of all right with it, but think they could do better. I think, what, like, over three albums... And what I'm learning now as well is that it's like picking up a guitar and then putting it in an amp. It's like there's a million different ways you can skin a cat and like getting your vocals out. There's so many ways. And uh, one of the things I think that producers do that they shouldn't do and engineers do, which they shouldn't do, is is what men do all the time. They fucking act like they know exactly what they're talking about and there's no other way but their fucking way you're asking for directions and they send you down 18 different fucking routes and it's like (laughs) i love you forever and it's like you just say you don't fucking know just say you don't know you mad bastard do you sing in a booth first of all oh yeah so that's it you asked about booth stuff yeah i i i I did like what, what we try and capture the live element of our music and we've done it loads of different ways with brutalism and joy and ultra mono mostly we gave each other three takes so we the whole band played live together and recorded it we, we had three takes to do the song and that's it and could you stomach the sight the sound of your own voice just hearing my vocals back and being like oh yeah like I was always surprised how much I enjoyed it such a great vocal though Thank you, yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed it. so much in it. Nowhere, nowhere, we never shall decay. We won't last five fucking minutes with a body like mine and a mind like mine. I guess this is as far as we go. I guess this is as far as we go. Brutalism was the first album we did. It's the first songs that I was really like in control of the writing and knew that I was writing the right thing and really enjoying it. So with each bit, um, I was really just like enthusiastic and like just really happy that we were doing it. 
So I was happy hearing my own voice. I've never been one to worry about that. So when you sing, mm-hmm. especially as you, you know, you grow up and, and you have more experience, at least for me, I felt like I could explore more, you know, like I could try different things with my voice. And yeah. And, th- and then I realized I could also employ characters. Do you ever do that? I, I do now. Like, I, I'll, I'll close my voice more, more for vulnerability. If I don't hear myself in, in, the, in the takes, I'll do it again. And like, I think that's key for me. It's like the characters, music is a theatre. It's like um, what David Byrne writes about in his book, uh, Music Works, it's like, it's, ampli- it's amplification. Or like, you know, to, to, see, to see the eyes in the theatre, you just draw bigger mascara do you know what i mean and Uh it's like the characters are like they're all me different parts of me the small boy the father the alcoholic the drug addict the the angry lefty the hypocrite the you know all these and they're all parts of the lover exactly and the the all the all the you know the empathetic brother and all these things i want to portray and it's just important to ride those. And that does come with slightly different voices. Um, and I, it's, it's important now that I, I exercise that as much as possible because it's like, it's more expressive. And then what's the intent as a writer for you? To find a way in my life to feel part of the world and, and to feel a connection with my audience that makes me feel safe and loved, um, but doesn't come from validation from the audience, but comes from validation of my making clarity and making a pathway with the songs. It's, I never want the audience to give me a pat on the back and make me feel like I've got a place in the world. I want to make a reflection of my self in the music so I can move on, I guess is the best way to put it. I want to feel part of the world. And that, for me, that is making something. you so much for your time and your consideration i really appreciate it and i can't wait to hear your new record so much love to you and you and you well thank you so much for having me on my absolute pleasure The Jump is hosted by me, Shirley Manson, and it's produced by Dan Gallucci. The Jump is an original series from MailChimp, produced in partnership with Little Everywhere. Dan Gallucci and Jane Marie are the executive producers. The Jump is mixed by Mike Richter. Original music composed by Rishikesh Hirway 
And a very special thanks goes out to our wonderful booker, Mara Davis. 